In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today is the Sunday of the forefathers of Christ, the Sunday before the, the Sunday of Nativity. It's also the 17th of December. We always remember the Holy Prophet Daniel and the three holy youths, Ananias, Azarias, and Mishael, um, who all lived 500 years before Christ, six centuries before Christ. Their uh, story, especially the one that we know so well about the fiery furnace, is the Christmas story. We refer to it all the time in Orthros, by the way, like, all, like every week, all the time. So behold with me the strange and wondrous mystery of the fiery furnace, who is the virgin Theotokos. If it's been a while since you've read the book of Daniel, um, I want to uh, refresh our memories. So these four, Daniel, Hananias, Azarias, and Mishael, were exiled after King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, that's present-day southern Iraq, had conquered and leveled Jerusalem, and marched the smartest and most capable, like Daniel and the three holy youths, we have the icon up here, by the way, um, into exile into Babylon. He took them, and he took all the precious, like, um, uh, temple... Uh, you know, uh, things used for sacrifice, he took all that back to Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar perceived that some of the Jews would be useful to him, and he uh, chose Daniel and the three holy youths, who he renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, gave them Chaldean names. Um, he wanted them to learn the Chaldean language and wisdom, he just kind of put them into like a training thing, you know, to raise them up, to be wise, and he could rely on them. But they cleaved to their faith. They held on to the faith in the true God. Even though taken away to a foreign place and, you know, dressed in finery, they cleaved to their faith. They actually disdained the extravagance of the court, and they refused to eat the food or drink the wine from the king's table. I'm sure that went over great, you know. They had nothing but vegetables and water. The Lord granted them wisdom and granted Daniel the gift of inside interpretation of dreams. He persevered in the faith in the one true God. He trusted in God's help. He surpassed all the Chaldean astrologers and sorcerers in his wisdom. And he was made a confidant of King Nebuchadnezzar. Once King Nebuchadnezzar had a strange dream. And he called all these you know, astrologers and all these people he had to come and interpret the dream for him. And he told them that uh, if they couldn't interpret the dream, he would they shall be torn limb from limb and their houses would be left in ruins. A little bit of pressure. So they said, okay, well, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. He goes, no. You who are wise, you tell me the dream I had and its interpretation. They're like, we are not going to, you know, we are going to be torn limb from limb, right? We're not going to make it. So he actually began, he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon would be executed. He's like, enough. I'm not, you know, I want the real thing or whatever. They get to Daniel. Daniel's like, tell the king to stop. I'll tell him the dream and what it means. So they take Daniel in and the sentence stops. You know, it's not carried out. He reveals the vision and interprets the content of the dream. And he says, this, O king, was your dream. And he described a great statue representing Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom along with all the empires to come. 
All of it will be destroyed, Daniel said, till finally the God of heaven will bring from it a stone uncut by hands. That's the lie. Uncut by hands. Which will become a kingdom which will never be destroyed. This dream is certain, its interpretation sure. After this, the king elevated Daniel and the three holy youths to be like governors in Babylon. They kept getting these promotions and demotions and then promotions again. Um, but just in case you missed it, to make the obvious point as obvious as possible, the king has a dream about Christ and Christ's kingdom. 600 years before Christ. Later, King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, being full of himself, made a huge image, a huge idol of himself, a likeness of himself, and ordered that everyone in the kingdom had to bow down and worship it when the music was played. In the Old Testament, the, prophet, the book of Daniel is really fun because it lists all the instruments over and over and over and over and over and over again, like ten times. But anyway, bagpipes and lyres and all kinds of stuff. So he says, when you hear the music, you've got to bow down. Well, the three holy youths said, well, we're, and Daniel, we're not going to do that. We worship the true God. We're not worshiping this false idol you've set up. He said, anyone that doesn't bow down will be thrown into a furnace of fire. So when his governors did not do this, he ordered that the fiery furnace be heated seven times what it's used to be heating, heated. Like crank it up. So much that those who throw the three holy youths into the fire are burnt by the fire. It was like spreading out from the furnace. So they are tossed into the fire. And again, we have the icon up here. The three holy youths, however, walked about in the midst of the flames and offered prayer and psalmody to the Lord. And there's a long prayer of repentance that begins by Azariah. Listen to this. And I'll just read just the first tiny little part of it. Blessed art thou, O Lord, God of our fathers, and worthy of praise, and thy name is glorified forever. For thou art just in all that thou hast done to us. It's a crazy thing to say. To be in the furnace and say, you are just in that you're doing this to us. And all thy works are true, and thy ways are right, and all thy judgments are truth. Thou hast exalted true judgments, and all thou hast brought upon us, and upon Jerusalem, which has just been leveled, and the holy city of our fathers. For in truth and justice thou hast brought all this upon us because of our sins. That's how this like prayer of repentance begins. As they're dancing in the fire and singing. King Nebuchadnezzar is astonished. He rises up in haste. Did we not throw three bound into the fire? They answered, true, O king. And he says, then why are there four? I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And their appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The angel of the Lord appeared like one, it says, like the son of man in the furnace. And he cooled the flames, and the young men remained unharmed. The angel of great counsel in iconography is identified with the son of God. And we have it here. It's very unusual and wonderful. The only saint, the only icon that has a cross and the nimbus in the halo, the only person that has that is Christ. You can see it when you look around. You can see the cross in his halo. See that, everybody? 
the angel of great counsel, maybe you can't see it from there, has a cross in its halo. Daniel refers to it, Isaiah refers to it, goes on and on about the angel of great counsel. In the first canon for Nativity for Christmas, we sing, Thou hast sent the angel of great counsel. Nebuchadnezzar comes to the door of the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come forth. And they come out, and they're like all the satraps, prefects, governors, the king's counselors. They gather together, and they like investigate and they see that these three servants of God are not only not singed, they don't even smell like fire. They're fine. They've been like not in the fire by investigation, but by truth they have been in the fire. Incredible. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is what Nebuchadnezzar says. Who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set it not the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And again, the king promoted them again in the province of Babylon. The king commanded when they came out um, that only the true god would be worshipped. I really want to commend the book of Daniel to you. It's just fantastic. I've skipped the handwriting on the wall story, which you'll have to read if you don't know it. It's where we get the saying, the handwriting's on the wall. That's from the book of Daniel. And, um, of course, Daniel in the lion's den, absolutely amazing. Another, by the way, kind of even uh, uh, something we can see as, as pointing to Christmas. But near the end of the book of Daniel, it's a longer book than this. I've skipped lots. And here we are at the end. Much of the imagery, by the way, is repeated in the uh, book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the prophetic book. Daniel saw into the heights of heaven to the God and Father, whom he called the ancients of days, being worshipped by thousands and tens of thousands. Then I beheld thee like one, the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He was brought to the Ancient of Days. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and languages serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. So from the beginning, the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had, this dream he had that Daniel interpreted, that all the kingdoms would come and they would all pass away until an uncut stone from the mountain, not something made by hands, the Lord himself, that his kingdom would come and would never be destroyed. At the end of the book of Daniel, we hear this line, to him is given dominion and glory and kingdom. All the peoples and nations and languages will serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom is one who shall not be destroyed. So we sang this last night. As in a gentle shower amidst the flame, the children of God rejoice as they walked about in the spirit's dew. And in the flames, they mystically prefigured the Trinity and the wondrous incarnation of Christ. The church looks into the fiery flame and sees Christmas, the incarnation of Christ, looks into that furnace and sees the mother of God. I'll be, just behold with me this strange and marvelous mystery. Looking through the cross, looking through Bethlehem, 
the cave, into the Old Testament, the church sees the resurrection of Christ, sees the birth of Christ like everywhere. Just everywhere, on every page, every story points to Christ. Every story points to what we have lived, what we are living, even living right now in the service. Since they were wise by the faith in God, they quenched the power of the fire, and righteous Daniel was also seen to muzzle lions in the den. Since thou, O friend of man, are entreated by their prayers in our behalf, rescue us all, O Savior, from the eternal fire that naught can quench, and vouchsafe that we attain unto the kingdom of the heavens, O Lord. Listen to the words of the archangel Gabriel to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. He'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. It's just a, it's just a quote from the vision, you know, that, that Daniel had. And the words which we recited every liturgy, he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. The church sees as a prefigurement the nativity of our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, with the one walking in the midst of the fire. Just as the fire did not burn the youth, so the Lord was born without seed from the virgin, and she wasn't consumed by the divinity that is a fire. God. Indeed, the furnace is a type that stands for the virgin. You, oh, we sing this, you, O Theotokos, are the spiritual furnace. This is like part of what we say. For God has saved the three youths, he created in your womb the entire human being. The church sees the angel who appeared in the fiery furnace as a typos, an image of the Lord himself. The father's called O Arsarkos Logos, that is the unincarnate word. Christmas, eight days away, nine days away, we'll celebrate the incarnation. What we see in the fiery furnace is the like pre-incarnate word, the Lord, the second person of the Trinity. Incredible. So on this day, the virgin bears the transcendence and essence, the unapproachable. The earth gives a cave and the angels join a choir with the shepherds to give glory. The magi follow a star to travel on their journey. For our sakes is born the young child who has existed before the ages as God. That is a strange and wonderful mystery. The one who existed before the angels as God, who walked about in the fiery furnace, will be born in a cave to a 16-year-old. Wow. So let's glorify God in the mystery of his love. He has been, by the way, getting ready for Christmas for all these years. I mean, how long? From the beginning, the Lord has been looking forward to the cave. You know? He's been looking forward to it. Having, like, Nebuchadnezzar dream about it. Like, the worst. He sacks Jerusalem, and he takes back the holy things to southern Iraq, to Babylon. And the Lord's like, okay, you're going to dream some dreams. You know, you've got all my stuff, you know? You're going to dream dreams about me. And that Daniel could even tell him the dream and interpret it. All, all this, like, what does it say? The Lord has been looking forward to that cave in Bethlehem for our sakes. So, we 
have only been getting ready for 40 days. Not even 40, like 32. That's all we've been doing. I want to commend to you as I close that you embrace the last eight or nine days of this fast, that you increase your prayer, you know, that you do what you can, you know, you ask the Lord to come to confession, there's not much time, come to confession, that you embrace this opportunity to get ready for the cake, to get ready for the birth of Christ in your hearts, into the world and into our hearts. This is, this is it. This is all we're about. Do not get drawn into the world. Pull away into Christ. Confess your sins. Embrace the past. Don't struggle against all this stuff. Don't fight it. Don't, don't be mad at the church for asking you to get ready. The Lord's been getting ready for thousands of years for this. Let's embrace the next nine. Even if you've messed it up until now, embrace it now. There's time. The Lord is so graceful and merciful and loves us. He doesn't hold wrongs against us. But let's confess our sins and embrace the season that's left before us. So then we can go in feasting, which I'm ready for. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.